Welcome in to another episode of Kentucky Daily. I am your host, Derek Terry. Uh, riding solo today, we have a guest here on this episode. We figure with SEC Media Days coming up in just about a week, uh, actually less than a week, we're looking at uh, Mark Stoops is just four or five days away from taking the podium, marking the unofficial start to the 2021 football season. And I figured now would be a good time to get Bud Elliott on the show. Bud is a national analyst for 247sports.com. He works for cbssports.com and is a prominent member of the Cover 3 podcast, uh, which is a college football podcast at CBS. A very good podcast, too. It's one that I listen to uh, more notably when they're talking SEC East, things that I'm interested in. I will tune in there. I wanted to get Bud's thoughts on kind of how UK's offseason went. Obviously, UK was a big player in the transfer portal. Uh, they've added guys like Wondell Robinson, Dare Rosenthal, uh, at quarterback Will Levis, you know, potentially the starter. I mean, we're talking about three guys right there. And also, we didn't talk about them, but Jacquez Jones is another guy. So, UK put a lot of work in the portal. I got Bud's thoughts on that. Uh, we also discussed kind of UK's spot in the SEC East in terms of, you know, how they stack up to some other teams that you would say is on UK's tier. You know, teams like Missouri, uh, most years teams like Tennessee, South Carolina, uh, and then given the year, depending on you know, Vanderbilt, that has been pretty bad here for the last few years. But at one point, obviously, it was more of a mid-tier team uh, back when James Franklin was there. So we talked that. Uh, just some U.K. football talk in general, how Mark Stoops has done with the program, uh, the future outlook, making that coordinator change. Uh, Eddie Grant obviously had a very big role in Kentucky football and Kentucky's football program the last few years. Uh, but going to Liam Cohen, how will that affect things? But uh, as always, our show is brought to you by the Butcher's Pub, three locations, one in London, one in Williamsburg, and one in Pineville. Get out and see those guys down in southeastern Kentucky, uh, one of the best spots to eat in that part of the state. So if you're in the area, go check them out. But without further ado, let's get to the interview with Bud. Welcome back to Kentucky Daily. We're joined now by Bud Elliott of 247sports.com. He's a national recruiting analyst. For the network, he also does some work for CBSSports.com and is a member of the Cover 3 podcast, the official college football podcast of CBS Sports. Bud, thanks for joining us. Eric, good to be with you, man. Always good to hear from you. And uh been a while on this show. Like I was just telling you before we got started that we've had a football guest on here. I had a lot of basketball talk this summer as uh, John Calipari tried to get that roster in shape. But with SEC Media Days just about a week away, less than a week now, actually, uh, just a few days away, wanted to get on here and talk some UK football, try to get a national voice on here. So, Bud, I just wanted to start, just wanted to give you the floor. When you think Kentucky football in 2021, what comes to mind? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I feel like they're going to be you know, a pretty scrappy team. Um, Mark, Mark Stoops has done a tremendous job there for Kentucky, in my opinion. You know, that, that's a program. We were actually just speaking about this uh, on the Friday mailbag of the Cover 3 pod. And uh, one of the questions was, like, what schools could you see Mark Stoops leaving for? And I said, you know, honestly, I think this list is going to be a lot shorter than, uh, than, you, might, than you might, you know, figure uh, because he has just an amazing setup there, right? Kentucky, when they went out and got Mark Stoops, they kind of said, hey, we want, uh, or at least my perception of it is that they they wanted something for their fans to pay attention to, in you know in the fall before basketball starts, a product they could not be embarrassed by, and uh, and we're pretty reasonable in their expectations given the you know, the contract with the automatic extension and raise upon winning what seven games I think as, as well as mm-hmm. as ten games you get the the double pop, uh, like that's that's a great setup. It gives you reasonable reasonable but difficult goals to hit, 
and uh, it, it doesn't force you to do things that are going to cause you to be completely boom or bust. You know, um, I guess the main thing I'm looking for Kentucky this year is, is going to be that passing game, right? Um, how much better is that passing game going to be with with the change in OC with, without the COVID offseason? What what are we what are we looking at for Kentucky this year? Can they actually throw the football and be effective through the air? Because you know, I I don't think their offense was terrible necessarily in in some of the previous years, but like you know, the subclass of their passing offense to me, it was pretty lacking. Um, and that you know, they made up for it in the run game in some ways, but also in some ways they just couldn't do so. Yeah, and this is going to be the ninth year of Mark Stoops at UK, which is uh, second longest tenure, I believe, in the SEC, just behind Nick Saban. So. Um, you know, when a coach has been at one school for so long, they develop some kind of reputation, some better than others, <laughs> I would say. But uh, I think UK, on a micro level here, where I cover it every day, I think UK has built a, a solid, not a spectacular program by any means, but a solid uh, program that I think has a knack for development. To me, that's kind of become UK's rep when you look at uh, guys like Josh Allen, guys like Benny Snell, Jamin Davis, who all – kind of exceeded their recruiting ranking and went on to become high draft picks. Obviously, in the case of Allen, a top 10 pick. And then this past year, Jamin Davis, I believe he went 19th overall. Uh, there in the top 20. And, of course, Snell, uh, fourth-round pick. But someone who was an all-SEC running back in his time here. Um, you, you think that's a fair assessment of the program? And, and you, with ha having a background in recruiting, how much do you think those the stories of those guys can kind of help UK attract maybe a higher level of talent in the future? I, I do think it's an accurate characterization. Um, you know, Josh Allen, I, I do a piece every year looking at where the two stars who went in the first round, like what the heck happened, right? Uh, and, I, and I have a bunch of, I've done this for about nine years now, dating back to my time at SB Nation. And, um, you know, I have a bunch of buckets that I put guys in. And some of them check, you know, different boxes, not just one. Uh, but there, there, there are things like increased body weight in college by more than 25%, right? Uh, or, you know, moved high schools several times, changed positions, international prospect, uh, you know, grades issues causing him, you know, schools not, not, not to want to touch him. And Josh, leave New Jersey, moved down to Alabama to live, I think, with his aunt, uh, played receiver and uh, mostly basketball during his time in Alabama, uh, came back up to New Jersey for his senior year. So you've got a guy that's not really on the radar of a whole lot of schools. Uh, they, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong if I'm misremembering this, but I, I think I know this one pretty good. And then he, he was playing defensive line for one of the first times in a game for his New Jersey school. He tore up the team he was playing. And one of the coaches on that team, uh, the opponent was his brother was a coach on or analyst on Kentucky staff. And he said, Hey, I don't know who the hell this kid is, but he just tore us up. Uh, and thus Kentucky got on Josh Allen you know, much earlier than anybody else knew about him because, like, nobody who scouts New Jersey or who scouts Alabama was paying attention to the guy because he kept moving uh, and changing positions and gaining weight. And, uh, but he also was a guy who gained a lot of weight in, in college. And I think if you are Kentucky, uh, you have a pretty reasonable argument to tell kids who may be, uh, you know, skinny uh, that, hey, we have a track record of putting on weight on guys like you and, and pumping them out to be much better players. Davis also kind of fits that mold, if I recall. He was not the most jack kid coming out of high school. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And going back to Josh Allen, I mean, he was a guy that – I give credit to his high school coach. He, uh, I think, had some kind of connection to Rutgers, this coach did, and he was adamant 
that Rutgers would be making a huge mistake to not offer Josh Allen. And, of course, Rutgers did not. And uh, I guess you could say the rest is history for how Allen's uh, college career went. You talked a little bit a little bit about the offensive coordinator change. Uh, Eddie Grant had, had been the offensive coordinator during, you know, one of the most successful consistent runs of Kentucky football history. But last year with the passing game, I think reaching a point that Stoops felt like he had no other choice uh, than to make some kind of move to shake it up, to try to not only attract uh, some better recruits, but, you know, put some more points on the board. Because I think Kentucky had reached a point. Um, it had shown that it could be a kind of a mid-tier level SEC East team, which is certainly not bad given Kentucky's history. You know, they could get the seven wins primarily running the football. But I think it showed that and even even – they might not ever have a good chance to beat a team like Georgia, to beat some of the upper echelon SEC teams. Perhaps there will always be too big of a talent differential to consistently win those games. But I do think he made this move in an effort to at least have some hope to do that. And I think by adding Cohen, it helped them in the transfer portal. So Wondell Robinson obviously coming in from Nebraska. Uh, Dear Rosenthal here recently from LSU just came in. What do you think overall about Kentucky's work in the portal this offseason? And also the quarterbacks, of course, Will Levis. Uh, and then you know, back to last year with Joey Gatewood, the two front runners for the QB job, both being transfers. Just what do you kind of think about UK's work in the portal uh, over the past few months? You know, I, I think they're a team that is, that is take, you know, taking some, some calculated shots, right? Wondell Robinson seems to be a, a really nice fit for them. And I think Will be, will be a good player. He's a guy who can catch the ball, but also a guy you, you can hand the ball to out of the backfield and, and, and can really you know, do it all for you there from that standpoint, you know, with, with Will, um, you know, I don't have super high hopes for him, but I, I don't think he's necessarily terrible. Uh, I, I don't think much of Sean Clifford at Penn state uh, and he wasn't beating out Sean Clifford. So realistically, uh, you know, it doesn't give me hopes that he's going to light the world on fire. Dare Rosenthal. I, there's all kinds of reasons kids transfer. I don't know the exact reason that Rosenthal transferred. I know he had some, what, team rules stuff, I think, was, was what it was put out there. Look, that could be anything. I do know of a situation where a really good offensive lineman in last year's portal class, I talked to the coach at the school he was leaving. And I was like, what's the problem? He said, oh, he just ran out of drug test to pass here. But if he goes to a new school, he gets a clean slate of, of weed tests. I was like, oh. He's like, yeah, we're pissed he's leaving because he's a really good player. We just, you know, he's failed too many here. Because um, they're, they're school-mandated tests. That they're not – you know, obviously. Um, let me ask you this, Derek. And I, I don't want—I don't want to take this in a different direction. But is there a sort of a Glenn Mason feel to Mark Stoops here at at Minnesota, to where like Minnesota was absolutely thrilled that Glenn Mason was able to max out their program, consistently win you know six, seven, sometimes eight games, go to bowls a lot more often than not, much more often than they had been going to. And then all of a sudden the fans, I don't want to use the word spoiled, but they were like, all right, what's next? What's more? And then it's hard to tell a fan base, that, man, you guys are like, do you realize how hard it is to consistently hit your ceiling? There's not another, like, there's not a way to get through the ceiling. But yet on the other hand, I do get college football, it is becoming easier and easier to throw the football explosively. And as a result, if you are unable to do so, I do think you are kind of falling further and further behind the pack. Like what Kentucky was doing on offense at the end of Graham's tenure, it was more, I guess it was easier to win with that in you know, 2014, 2015 than it is now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, the interesting thing about that relationship too is how, at least publicly, how mutually agreed upon it was. Matter of fact, I said this on our podcast, but perhaps people didn't listen to, to that episode. 
they recently, Kentucky recently within the last month had a uh, golf charity event for John Schlarman who passed away from cancer last year. And Eddie Grand was there. Uh, I, I believe he still lives in town. As a matter of fact, I think he still is in Lexington. So um, I think there was a lot of mutual respect for those guys, but yeah, kind of going back to, to what you're saying to I me, mean, I think Kentucky had finished last in the SEC in passing four straight years. I mean, even the year that they won 10 games, uh, it was a struggle. And uh, I think, had they not made this move, I don't think Josh Ali would have been back. I certainly don't think Wondell Robinson would have been at Kentucky. I don't think Will Levis would have been at Kentucky, which, you know, remains to be seen if he wins the job or not. I would I would lean towards yes, given that it was Liam Cohen's handpicked guy. Um, but, no, I agree with you on going back to Stoops. I mean, I, I think realistically for Kentucky, I think he's done a great job raising the floor. Um, FPI isn't everybody's, you know, not everyone's a fan of that on ESPN, but – the FPI, and part of this is due to a pretty bad non-conference schedule, but FPI gives UK a 90% chance to win six games. And if UK gets back to bowl, it'll be the first time in school history they've been to six straight bowl games, which is kind of hard to believe in some ways. Um, but I do feel like, for the most part, this move was made to, to at least have a chance to be able to throw the ball, to be able to attract some different recruits. Um, I think they've added some decent talent to the wide receiver room overall that, that could pay off down the road. But that's kind of the story to me of the, of the Mark Soup's era. But I wanted to get your opinion on this as an Ashmore guy. Like, I'm not sure it's and, – and, again, anytime a team is mostly like a 7-5 and five team, that's not very sexy. They're not going to get a ton of national publicity. But UK in 2018 got the 10 wins in the league – in the SEC overall, uh, 10, a 10-win 10 season, five wins in the league. Yet, in the Stoops era, they've really not had a quarterback to move the needle. And it seems like one of the easiest ways for a team – you just look at Louisville, you know, down the road – They've had a great run of quarterbacks. UK has never really had that yet. It has maintained a pretty solid program. So, to me, I think the next step is probably what could this program be if they ever did figure out the quarterback situation. Right. And, and I, I think that's a reasonable thing to ask. I, I would wonder at what cost. Like, what, Are you sacrificing something in the run game? Do you run practices in a different way to where – like, how do you keep that toughness and that blue-collar mentality – in the run game if you're chucking the ball around a lot more are, are you changing your emphases in practice you see what i'm saying like there's a lot of stuff yeah. there that i there's moving pieces here and and if if they can keep the run game going the way it was and still throw the ball around uh and or excuse me and not still throw the ball around but add on throwing the ball around and throw it effectively then yeah i, I think they have the ability to probably unlock what would you say maybe a win more per year I mean, I think that's just kind of common sense. Assuming you can play the same level of defense uh, and, and whatnot. But, I mean, I just think Mark's done a really good job there. They, they don't – they seem to really know who they are, you know, yeah. and, and play within themselves and not try to do stuff that doesn't fit them. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. 
Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, perhaps like there, there will be a ceiling, you know, playing that way. And, and it might be, you know, seven or eight wins this year would probably be what I would say. It's really hard to know until you see how the offense operates, see who the quarterback is. I mean, you're talking about Cohen, who I know there are a lot of high hopes. I think the players have really taken well to him, but it's still a guy who you know, is in his mid-30s hasn't called plays above the FCS level. So, I mean, I do think there are a lot of question marks, but I think the talent uh, is in a decent spot. And that kind of brings me to the next point. I wanted to talk about the SEC East overall, uh, more or less the outside of the top two teams. I think most people are going to agree that, that Georgia on paper is probably far and away the best team in this division. And then Florida, of course, is typically always a pretty safe bet uh, to be in that second spot or even like last year uh, win the division. But, it seems like the team Kentucky is getting compared to a lot, at least from what I see as Missouri, in terms of who could potentially be that third team. Tennessee is going through all kinds of things, but the hope is with Josh Heupel, they can put some points on the board this year, but they had a lot of losses uh, via transfer portal, uh, via graduation that they're going to have to deal with. And then South Carolina and Vanderbilt uh, rebuild jobs there with the first-year head coach as well. In terms of, of UK and Missouri head-to-head, who do you kind of favor uh, at this point going into the season in terms of overall who you can see finishing third you know I, I think they are they're kind of similar to me um profiles wise although they, they they go about it in different ways um I do think that Missouri has more upside personally uh they, they got a really good transfer at corner uh whose name now I'm forgetting uh that I think will help them out because corner was a spot Missouri really needed to address um given that last year was was Drinkwitz's first year right uh, I think there were there is maybe Maybe a greater impact of COVID, uh, not in terms of like how many players got COVID, but just the, the COVID protocols, the lack of offseason work you could do together uh, last year in a lot of areas. And I think Missouri was, was included in that uh, to where if you were a new coaching staff, I think that was particularly damaging uh, to you. And that you may like I think that we will see some teams this year that had first team head coaches shoot up and be a little bit better in many cases than I think we thought they would be now, uh, now that they're in the second year of that head coach uh, above and beyond the sort of, Hey, the biggest difference you're the biggest leap you make is from year one to year two that we normally assume in college football. But I don't think there's a decided advantage for Missouri. I mean, I, I basically would put it, I, I guess, Missouri three, a Kentucky three B. Um, and then I sort of had Tennessee and South Carolina uh, rated really similarly. I, I did play, uh, the under six wins on Tennessee, and I played the over three and a half wins on South Carolina in the betting markets. Um, and then Vanderbilt to me is is pretty clearly a step below those two as well. Um, but like, what are your priors? It was like how how real was last year? I think the SEC schedule was the most real because they got the most games in. But we man, some of these these algorithms that that are out there, and I think they're awesome, but they're still wildly uh, volatile this year because they're relying so much on last year's data as their largest prior. And I, I don't trust last year's data uh, in, in many cases. How do you view those hires overall in the SEC East uh, with, with Vanderbilt, Tennessee? Um, and then of course, Shane Beamer at South Carolina. I felt like Vanderbilt, I thought made a, a smart hire. I mean, it's a, obviously one of the most difficult jobs I would say <laughs> in college football, probably overall. And then, uh, Tennessee, you know, I think Danny White kind of went with what he knew. Uh, 
with Josh Heupel, but Shane Beamer to me was really the interesting one, bud, because they got out in front of the thing. I mean, they got out, they fired Muschamp during the season uh, and then ended up with a guy who I know had a pretty good pass at South Carolina in terms of some of their glory years with Steve Spurrier on the recruiting trail. But to, to have that far of a head start and then hire a guy without any kind of coordinator experience in terms of being an offensive or defensive coordinator, just what do you kind of think about those hires overall? Yeah, they're, they're interesting hires. If I'm Kentucky, I'm not really threatened by any of them personally. Um, you know, I, I think the Vanderbilt hire is an interesting one. I would not hire a defensive head coach right now. I think just with, with the way you've got to score points and some of the disasters that we've seen these defensive guys be. But if I was going to do so, I think the hire they made makes a lot of sense because he played there. You know, Clark Lee understands the culture. I think he understands a lot of the unique recruiting challenges at Vanderbilt. He was at a, uh, kind of weird to use the term academic school but you know since they're all technically academic schools but he was at a, a, an institution where you do have some academic challenges in front of you and when you're at when you're at Notre Dame obviously uh, with Tennessee I look they were in a very difficult spot right their athletic department was a total mess you go out and get a very respected guy in Denny White he's dealing with a situation where we don't know what the penalties are going to be like the department turned themselves in for uh for the recruiting violations so we don't know what's going to happen there it's hard to get people to say yes to that job if my program might really be pretty poor for a while at least i want to score some points and sell some tickets and from that standpoint i think josh heifel would score points with pretty much anybody you know playing for him so that makes sense but i, I put out on twitter yesterday i said what, what's the chance that either of these head coaches uh in the syracuse tennessee 2025 chick-fil-a bowl opener are actually coaching in 2025 at these schools and um, most of the responses from the other guys who cover college football were like yeah it, not, not even even money um with Beamer I this one's going to be interesting I do think he probably is a pretty good recruiter however uh the time that he was at South Carolina the state of South Carolina was unsustainably it was a major outlier in the amount of talent that the state produced and if you go back like 15 years it's just he just happened to, to time it up well. South Carolina does not produce that much talent. In those three or four years that he was there, they, that state produced a lot of high school talent. That's beyond his control, right? <laughs> like that's not, that's not a, you control your controllables. I, I don't know. He's going to have to go outside the, 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 the state, most likely, or the state's going to have to get a lot more talented, one of the two. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Clemson was also not Clemson the last time Beamer was at South Carolina, which is pretty notable. Absolutely. Yeah, last question I have for you, Bob. Just overall SEC, your prediction for the SEC champion. Uh, I personally – was it you? I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Someone used Georgia – they used the analogy of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Was that, was that yeah. you? Yeah. I, it, I love that take. I, I thought that was – I keep picking Georgia, and I figure they accumulate so much talent. One of these years I'm going to have to be right. They're finally going to break through and win. So I'll pick Georgia this year to beat Alabama in the SEC championship. Who, who did you go with uh, in the preseason? I, I, I'm going to go with Alabama again. Um, I'm probably less confident in the Bama pick than I normally would be, uh, simply because – and I don't think they're particularly good value, by the way. I, I did bet Georgia for the national title at, at 10 to 1. Um, I think that's a – I would if, if, that, if you can still find that, that's, that's something I would hit still. I, I think Georgia is a team that, if they can make the playoffs, it would be very dangerous. I, I do trust Bryce Young quite a bit for a guy that hasn't played really any college football, um, and it's very difficult to bet against Saban. Um, you know, they're, but they're probably double digit favorite in all their, in all their games. Their, their East, their East draw is very easy. 
for the most part, they do have to go to, to Florida, but I looked on, on, uh, you know, some websites earlier and they're already like 15 point favorites there. So, uh, in the swamp, which is, I, I would take Florida there, but, um, I think Bama until, until somebody knocks them off. I just, it's hard to go against Nick Saban. It's almost like, Hey, this is the year I'm going to fade Belichick. Right. Like, Oh, really? All right. Well, if you're not broke by now, you will be this year, basically, except for last year, I guess it worked finally. Um, yeah. Sound but they, Georgia does recruit so well. Like, doesn't it feel inevitable in some ways? Yeah. I mean, they had the day they landed uh, Eric Gilbert and uh, uh, what was a kid's name from Clemson in the corner. Uh, Kendrick. Yeah. I mean, he, they show up on the same day, two former five-star guys that go with the other 25 five-star guys that they already had. But uh, that's, that's who I went with. But, but I really appreciate this. Uh, it was good to have you on. Hopefully, at some point down the road, we can get uh, get you back on the podcast. But uh, you want to tell people where they can follow you on Twitter or anywhere else they can find your work? Sure thing. Yeah, guys, just follow me on Twitter at BudElliott3. Uh, you can also follow my work on 24-7 Sports, listen to the Cover 3 podcast. That was Bud Elliott. I'm Derek Terry. We thank Bud once again for joining the show today. Uh, I thought that was a really well-discussed segment of Kentucky football. Sean and I will be back pretty soon. Going to do a couple more position previews. I started reaching out to some beat writers, some personalities. that cover other SEC teams that will be on Kentucky's schedule this year, uh, including Louisville, uh, obviously the, the one non-conference opponent that will probably reach out and talk to someone about that program uh but yeah expect more kentucky football episodes coming in the future we'll always have an eye on kentucky basketball of course but for now enjoy your weekend we look forward to talking to you again soon